Welcome to episode 20 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen with host Matt Payne. Today's guest is uh, Israeli landscape and travel photographer Erez Maram. Man, I've been following Erez for a long time and uh, he's got some amazing imagery from all over the world. Some some places I really want to visit um, thanks to just looking at his photos. Um, we had a really fun conversation. Um, we covered some fun topics, including uh, going professional as a photographer and what that looks like and how do you do that and um, entering contests and what that's like and what's the strategy there and talk about um, Israeli culture and how that relates to landscape photography. And we talk about um, workshops and how workshops, um, how he, how Ares approaches workshops and Man, it was a really great conversation. We had a lot of fun. <clears throat> I think you're going to like this one. Please remember to uh, rate the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher and uh, feel free to leave a comment and uh, reach out to me on uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, whatever. It's uh, Matt Payne Photo or Matt Payne Photography. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. man thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast appreciate absolutely, it absolutely man thanks so much for having me it's, uh, yeah, it's a big know, honor yeah. when someone you know finds it interesting to to hear what you have to say so thanks yeah yeah uh, i'm glad you see it that way it's funny um i've had a few people just not respond to my my requests but i think now that i've got a few of them under the belt uh, people are more they're like oh okay i got, I, I see what he's up to <laughs> yeah, but maybe uh, maybe then they'll you know uh, contact you and you can be like, no way. Yeah, I've had to do that a couple times, uh, unfortunately, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I first discovered you on 500px um, because I was a uh, I was a guest editor there one month, like right when they first started that program, and uh, I remember that? I picked. It was like January of. 13 i want to say wow, or 14 a long time maybe ago. yeah and i uh now i must have been ah uh, maybe uh, i'm really bad with time maybe it was january 15 i can't remember no it would have been 14 there's a it big difference <laughs> it is a big difference uh january 14 i'm pretty sure mm. and uh i picked one of your photos from uh namibia uh for the for the uh, uh editor's choice oh it thank was, you yeah, it was your um, the one from uh, the ghost town there. Yeah, uh, from Tom. yeah, as the cool first place. for whatever reason, it was the first time I'd ever seen a photo from there, and really? uh, yeah, I don't know why I just hadn't seen one. And no, no, there was a whole bunch. <laughs> no, I know now it's like everywhere. Everyone, I, everyone I talked to is like, "Yep, I'm going to that place." I'm like, "Oh, I've I only knew of one person who shot there, and now everyone shoots there." But it was pretty sweet though, because it also had like that nice. Uh, I think you must have been a Canon Sunstar. Uh, oh I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, was, I was shooting. Sunstar. I was shooting. I, I think you're talking about uh, Dali's dream. The the image with the two uh, two uh, doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Inside the room and and the collapsed roof with the sunstar coming through. That yep. was an amazing, amazingly cool experience to shoot that. And uh, I yeah. was actually shooting Sony at the time. I was, oh. I was shooting the Sony Alpha 7R. Uh, yeah, it was with, at the 16-35 F4? With the 1635 Canon. Oh, uh, okay. With a converter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could tell it was a Canon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right on, yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of a Sunstar geek, so whenever I see that Canon Sunstar, I'm like, oh, you bastards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It is uh, awesome, but you know you can't shoot with a with a sixteen thirty five Mark II anymore. You know, there's the Mark right, III. Right, right. It's, it's so much better. Uh, I, I haven't. And, I've right. never shot with any Canon gear, so I'm jealous. But um, well, we have that's so cool. Much to so be yeah, proud of. there's the eleven twenty four, which is yeah, my, new, I know. my new favorite lens. It's so awesome. 
You shoot uh, yeah. Nikon or Sony or what? Uh, I used to shoot Nikon. I shoot a uh, Sony A7R2 now, and I've got the the Loxia 21. All right. Uh, which is pretty sweet for Sunstars, but I also have the Nikon 14 to 24, um, just because I do a lot of night photography. So. Mm-hmm. That's there's, uh, the, there's a new uh, Sony 12-24, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it's f4, I think. Mm. Well, I I shoot a lot of night with a 11-24 f4. Huh. I mean, the 5D Mark IV, you can, you can shoot 12,000 ISO. It's fine. It's, <laughs> right, right, it's right. It's definitely usable. Yeah, but I've shot 10,000 on the Sony. Mm, not not too bad, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's important to remember that night shots should look like night shots. So yes. A lot of people shoot night shots that look like day shots. And, you know, that kind of misses the point. And, uh, right. Yeah, you should keep it like the uh, histogram should be on the far left side. Not, you know, all up, all the way up against the wall, but it should be dark, you know. So don't, don't <laughs> be afraid of shooting at 4. I mean, F4, you can also get, you know, a decent sharpness in the foreground and whatnot. True, true, true. So. Well, uh, so not to, we could talk gear probably all day, but uh, there's some other topics I wanted to hit on. So More important topics. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. You can read about gear online. Um, so... I know you're from uh, Israel, and I did a little bit of homework. Um, sounds like you went pro back in 2012, and you've only been really shooting since, like, 2008. Yeah, um, something like that. What was it like um, for you to, um, to to go full-time pro? Because that that's a quite the commitment that I think a lot of people are afraid of. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that a lot. I get um, people saying, wow, how... You know how brave you are doing this going full-time I, I, I really have to say that <clears throat> as, as nice and romantic as the story is I, I really wasn't <laughs> brave you know I, I did it really slowly and it was really well thought of and I have an amazing family and a really supportive family and I have my own place here and I, I was working you know all throughout my 20s and uh, I, I had a lot of money when I turned pro. I had I had a lot of savings, so okay. even I, I would never go hungry. You know, I would, you know, I, if if it didn't work, I would just go back to doing something else. You know, I have a master's in engineering. Sure. I, yeah, I was yeah, I read that. University. I was a university lecturer. I taught math in Tel Aviv University and other establishments and uh, institutions in uh, Israel. So I was. I, I always had a. a some some sort of uh, you know mattress to fall on or or how do you call it? So it was never gonna be, you know, double or nothing. It was never gonna be. I'm gonna you know throw myself at this at this type of career and worst thing I'll I'll you know starve for a week or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> that that right. was never the case. You know I had a lot of savings. I did it gradually. I was still teaching math in university when I gave my first workshops. Yeah, so, um, and I just that's, that's, <coughs> you know it just worked, and I just that, re- that's I, a yeah, sim- similar story to what I've heard from other people. Like um, a buddy of mine, he recently went full time. He doesn't teach or anything like that, but um, his wife like opened her own business a few years ago, and it finally took off. And he he doesn't really have to work anymore. So he his wife's like, yeah, just go shoot. And nice he's wife. Like, okay, <laughs> I know. Does she have, does she have a sister? <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Um, but it's funny because um, I think a lot of people—it's kind of a romantic idea for a lot of photographers until they start until they start doing the math, and it's like, um, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, I think that's cool if you have the opportunity to have like a, a nice savings, and then yeah, and I then mean, just be able to slowly build it. Absolutely, I think you should definitely first of all make sure. You can do it. Make sure you, yeah. you you're able to sustain a business, you know, because photography, especially nature photography, is not all about going click click and traveling right. to exotic locations and having fun. It's a lot about you know writing. It's a lot about um, you know keeping yourself in the in the public eye and, and you know make making sure people know who you are. And, right. Um, and it's a lot about writing. Uh, I write a lot of articles. I write in DP Review. I used to write for Landscape Photography Magazine, and I'm I'm very uh, fortunate to 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 have been able to do that. And uh, that stuff, you know, more than 
more, more than um, ma uh, making sure you're, you know, quote unquote famous, it's about letting people know you, you know what you're talking about. Right. You know, it's yeah. It's how did you how did you break into the writing sphere there? Because I think um, that's that's it's <coughs> interesting. Like I don't, I'm sure you didn't just one day be like, oh, I'm writing for a magazine. Yeah, I mean, it started with uh, DP Review actually. I mean, okay. it, it started before that in Israel. I wrote for a few um, photography magazines or nature magazines, but that you know that doesn't bring you a lot of business. Uh, but then DP Review uh, just uh, published that they're looking for you know guest writers, and I was like, yeah, okay. I'll write for you. I mean, I I speak English quite well and. You know, I can write, and I'm not Shakespeare, but, you know, I can write about <laughs> experiences, and I, I, you know, it's 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 a nice thing to make people not only look at your pictures, but also, you know, get an idea of what you went through, or what was going through your head when you took the picture, and uh, it's, it's, it's a more complete experience, you know, that's why I like so much, you know, doing like um, those behind the shots articles where I, sh I show you the shot but you you would never know what went through my head or how I got to shoot this place or, or specific composition if you didn't read the story and yeah, yeah. you know it's really fun to share the story and it's fine it's fun when when people get intrigued and you know find a true interest in what you have to say and, and what you have to offer beside the imagery yeah I think um I, I really enjoy uh, reading other photographers' articles that are kind of more, I don't know, just, I don't want to say um, cerebral, but, you know, that where they really dive deep into kind of like their thought process or, or they go really deep into a certain type of subject, whether it be, um, like, I don't know if you follow Sarah Marino, but she usually writes yeah, some really great articles that just go into a lot of depth and like just get me thinking about it and um that's actually one of the <clears throat> one of the things I wanted my podcast to be was just something more of kind of in-depth around the topic of photography with people not just talking about like what gear do you use but you yeah, know yeah. like <laughs> let's really dive deep into <clears throat> you know like like w workshops and ethics and and you know things that they don't people don't really talk about a ton but i think they're important things to yeah. to go into yeah well, that's cool man yeah i mean um, there's supposed to be a, yeah. you know there's always the limit of, of good taste you know how much do you want to go into a subject how much is you know enough <laughs> how much is not enough how much is too much you know it's a you, you got to balance it out you know, you got you, you to talk about uh, a variety of subjects and, you know, just mm. just make sure, you know, a person talks about, you know, the thing that he considers himself uh, able to uh, to contribute on, you know? Right, right, right. Like, I'm never going to write an article on how to use a cannon. Because yeah. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> I've never shot a cannon. <laughs> I mean, I remember I, I, I one time... Um, wrote a review about the 1124 for DP Review. You know, and DP Review, okay, you know, uh, you can't really expect not to be bashed there. But, oh, uh, for sure. Yeah, but, you know, I, I wrote the review from a, you know, point of view of a landscape photographer. And for me, the most important thing about photography is always composition. Okay, because that, that is what photography is about. I mean, if you have crappy light, and have a good composition, you still have a good shot, or you can still have, sure. have a good shot. And, you know, I'm not a pixel, a pixel peeper, you know, I, I don't have to have everything super duper, super califragilisticexpialidocious. It just doesn't matter that much, you know? The, the thing about the yeah, 11 for me is, is the compositional opportunities it gives me, you know? It, it gives right. me such an amazing, you know, such amazing opportunities to shoot indoors, to shoot in caves, to shoot in ice caves, to get more of the sky when you're shooting northern lights, you know, and, and I wrote all that. And I, I wrote, you know, I'm not a gearhead, you know, there's so many better gearheads than me writing for DP Review, so this, were, uh, this review is going to be about composition and the, the compositional opportunities this amazing lens gives you. And of course, you know, 
people in, in the comments were like, hey, why isn't he writing about uh, sharpness or about aberrations or crap like that? And I was like, eh, come on. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it's funny when, when people... Um, well, I think it's probably all about what people are using the lens to do, but um, I always laugh when people are like, well, it doesn't have really, really, really good corner sharpness. And I'm like, people aren't looking in the corners of your photographs. They're like, like yeah. if your composition is focused in the very corner of your photograph, like there's something really wrong with your photography, I feel like. Like that's not what people are looking at. They're looking Absolutely. at, you know... The leading line or like you know what's the focus of this uh, of the photograph and it's yeah, almost never light. in the corner you know, i like corner sharp sharpness as much as the next guy but you know it's not the main thing about photography no exactly you know, people, people miss the important things about photography about a lot of things about life you know <laughs> people you know just miss the point a lot of times that's you know something we, we all should uh, try to uh, correct Absolutely. So one of the other things I noticed um, when I was checking out your stuff is that you've 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 got several um, awards from photo photo contests that you've entered. Some of some of them I, I recognize from other people. But I'm curious about how you see um, photo contests or entering photo co contests as being part of. Um, I guess it's. I'm wondering if it's part of your marketing strategy so to speak in terms of being a full-time professional or if you just do it to challenge yourself or what's your motivation for ending those contests well, i have a love-hate relationship with with contests i guess <laughs> I mean, okay it's nice and it's really nice to to win you know pre prestigious awards i mean it was great winning the gold medal and in, in the awards in 2015 it's all nice uh, and it does give you uh, more audience and uh, I've you know I've been contacted uh, you know plenty of times I mean a lot of things in my career I owe to competitions I mean one nice anecdote is I um, in, in back in 2014 uh, I shot the uh, volcanic eruption in Iceland and uh, oh yeah man crazy the shots from there I, I submitted to the National Geographic competition and uh, I won nothing. <laughs> Absolutely won nothing. <laughs> I mean, I was like, hey, I'm supposed to win that competition. Never mind. Right. So, <laughs> so I, I got nothing. But National Geographic uh, uh, posted, it, posted my picture on Facebook, on their Facebook. And that, oh, was, yeah. that was crazy, man. It got like more than 120,000 likes and tens of thousands of shares and... and and actually, I got a lot of business from it. And uh, a, few really? days, a few days after this this post, I, I my phone rings and I see an Icelandic number, and I'm like, "This is not any of my Icelandic friends." And this uh, woman uh, says, "Hi, Erz, we're you know from this Icelandic uh, news site, and we want to do interview you about this uh, about your 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 volcano shots." And I was okay, why not? So I, I, <laughs> I talked to her for like 15 minutes and I was sure I would never hear, hear you know, about it. Sure. But apparently that was the, one of the biggest, if not the biggest uh, news sites in Iceland, mbl.is. And I mean, one day after my, uh, my uh, website was absolutely crawling with uh, Icelanders and, you know, I got a huge, huge exposure. And um, actually I got to... Uh, a postcard postcard deal in Iceland from that, and now wherever wow, you go, I, cool. I, there's postcards with my images all throughout Iceland, which is really cool. I mean, it's a uh, nice pocket money and it's it's really nice exposure. So you never know yeah, you, you never know what crazy you're gonna get out of these uh, competitions. You never know, you know. You gotta open your options in life, and uh, in art, it's yeah. especially true. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. I always wonder. Um, how much of how much ex, you know someone's exposure is intentional or deliberate or if it's just um i don't want to use the word luck because you obviously you have to take a good photograph and you have to do something with that photograph in order for it to be seen but then you know that that that's happening every single day every single second of the day yeah. 
but it seems like there are certain people that get that exposure more often than others. Uh, that's and it's not always because the photograph is the best you've ever seen. Yeah. So I've always wondered, like, if how much, how much of that is just them pounding the streets and sending emails and calling people and being persistent, or if it's just a lot being really <laughs> lucky. <laughs> a lot. I mean, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And I mean, today the the photography world has taken a, a big. It's taken a big turn over the last few years, mm-hmm. and it's gotten huge, as you know. And uh, yeah. if you want to be someone in this world, I mean, you got to take a stand and you got to make people know who you are. And uh, right. that, that's the that's one of the sources of my my love hate relationship with the contest, with social media. I mean, basically, in social media, you, you got to be active. You know, you got to respond, you got to share, you got to, you know. You gotta yeah. kiss some ass, pardon my <laughs> French, and and you know that's not really the guy I am. That's you know I try to do my own thing. I try to get away from from adhering to to trends and to stuff like that, you know. And I I really believe that if you're good enough and if you stick to your own uh, idea of doing things and if you do things your way, then you you still have a good chance of of being someone if you have. You know, a few platforms on which you can, you know, address a lot of people. Uh, then you're going to be fine. I mean, for mm. some people, these platforms are social media, and that's fine. But I, c- I could never do that. I could never, you know, just say, "Wow, that's great! Wow, that's great! Wow, that's awesome!" Like, 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 love, 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 whatever, on Facebook and on Instagram. That's that's really not why I turned to photography. You know, I. Sure. I, you know, I, I gave up a lot. I could have been in, a, in the high-tech industry. I could have been something else. And I, I chose photography because I wanted to do my own thing. And if you yeah. want to do your own thing, you got to be loyal to yourself. And you got to be, you know, you got to be true. I, I see myself as a, a truthful guy, a truthful person. And, and you know, I, I can't lie and I, can, I can't fake and I can't, you know, just say something, although it's not true. I do my own thing, I have my own platforms, and, uh, and that, that works for me. Uh, okay, okay if, I, if I were uh, you know, more active on social media, I would, I would you know, be making twice as much as I'm making now, but you know, that's not why I, came. I, I turned to photography. So. Yeah. So, <coughs> I'm curious then... Um, why did you turn to landscape photography? Because, um, I mean, you went to school, you got a master's degree in engineering, and then it sounds like something just triggered for you, and I'm just curious what that was. It's fun, man. It's so, it's so <laughs> it's much fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, if, okay, I have a master's in engineering, and I could have gone to high-tech, sit in an office sure. nine to five, and have an ordinary life. But, you know, I'm... I didn't want that ordinary life. You know, I like traveling. You know, I've been traveling since my early 20s. I love it. I love meeting new people. I love, you know, seeing, you know, crazy nature stuff. You know, if I I had been an an engineer, I wouldn't be able to stand on the verge of an active volcano and just be amazed (laughs) by lava. You know, that That, it doesn't work. That's probably true. (laughs) <laughs> so, and I would never been able, to, never have been able to uh, to fly in a helicopter above, uh, you know, the dunes of Namibia, and fly in a Cessna above the Lofoten Islands, or shoot Northern Lights, or see all of this crazy stuff that I that I do now. And it's so much more fun. I mean, I am my own boss. I, I make my own schedule. You know, I, I'm responsible for myself, which is yeah. you know, as an individual person. Uh, well, that certainly is appealing for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, of course, it has its difficulties. You know, the, it, it has its hardships, like everything else. But if you believe in yourself and if you're good enough, which I hope I am, I mean, it will work for you. Okay, I, I might not be. You know, some of my friends from school have a multi-million dollar, ha- have multi-million dollar companies already. But that's fine. They're living their life and doing their thing, and I'm living my life enjoying myself and doing my own thing and you know I, I came to photography I started doing photography and I turned pro to be able to live life to the fullest 
which I feel, you know, I'm, I'm on the right track to doing that. You know, if, even if it's yeah. not completely realized by now, I'm on the way to doing that. You know, and I do what I believe in, what I believe in, and I do my own thing, and I, it works, and I'm having fun. You know, yeah. you should have fun in life. So I'm curious, um, you do you do a lot of workshops, I've noticed. <coughs> um, you know, you do a lot of, like, in Namibia, or um, uh, I think you do, like, a workshop in Patagonia, um, like, I think Greenland, even. Yep. So I'm curious, though, is is the are the workshops uh means to the end or are they part of the fun that you're describing or is a little bit of both it's absolutely both okay okay you know i need to do workshops because you can't real you can't really make money from selling shots it doesn't work like that in today's world right um you know so I, i need that to to be able to make money and afford to be a landscape photographer a pro landscape photographer full time but it also is a huge amount of fun. I mean, if, if you get participants that y- you connect with and if you, if you succeed in helping people and making them understand your point of view, that's an amazing feeling. I mean, sometimes people tell me, listen, now I understand you've changed something about my photography. And a lot of people tell me okay, when I, after, after they finish their, uh, their workshops, I always hear you in the back of my mind, do this, do that, put a little space here, <laughs> balance the composition, make sure it's balanced. You know, I mean, when, when you've done something to change someone's uh, photography, that's the best feeling in the world. I mean, it's so awesome yeah. to contribute to, to other people like that. And a lot of my participants are super fun and uh, a, lot of, a lot of them re- remain my friends after the workshops. So it's it's like being a musician, you know, it's doing something you like together with other people and, you know, helping them enjoy and enjoying yourself and it's fun. I'm curious, did you ex- did you expect that to happen when you started doing workshops or was that just kind of like, oh, this actually is fun? You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm guessing you didn't go into it knowing that it was going to be that way for you. <laughs> I'm not sure it was so long ago it's it's nothing it's something I'd never really thought about but I, I'm not sure I, I I think I just you know decided to go for it and see if I can pull it off and have fun and meet people and it just worked yeah okay <laughs> here I am <laughs> it's getting bigger and bigger every year and it's getting more and more fun and I'm getting to see uh, more and more interesting places and uh, it's great. I mean, you know, you want a lot of times you get to a location and one visit is not enough. You know, in Iceland yeah, or yeah. Norway or Greenland, and there's just more and more and more. And, you know, it's addicting and you want to visit more, but you can't really live, you know, just traveling by yourself all the time. It's not sustainable. Unless you're, you're <laughs> unless you're like a billionaire, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, uh, so, so it's it's nice to be able to to guide people to these places, and also sometimes be surprised and and you know, fascinated yourself because you know these are conditions that you've never seen before. I mean, for example, I've spent months in in Lofoten in Norway already, uh-huh. and the last visit was you know it was amazing because i saw something i've never seen before there was a super clear sky and and after the sunset like half an hour after the sunset there was a huge white ball in the sky ball of light and i couldn't you know understand what it was and it, it appears that you know the sun's rays from beyond the horizon are bent in the atmosphere and create this light but it just stayed and stayed and stayed and even an hour and a half after the sunrise, uh, the sunset, sorry, after sunset, there was this crazy red color in the sky, and I've never seen that. It's much rarer than, for example, northern lights, and it stayed until more than two hours after sunset. It was just the most incredible thing I've ever seen, and you you know, you don't see that all the time. You gotta be there. You gotta be in the field again and again and again, and months on end, to to be able to be uh, to to be able to see that to be fortunate enough to see that 
So it's amazing. I mean, these places change all the time. You get different conditions. And uh, one of the things I put a very big emphasis on is shooting th uh, changing landscapes. Because, you know, mountains mm, yeah. are, are, are great, but they stay the same. And if you shoot changing landscapes like ice or sands or volcanoes, you can go to the same location 20 times and it's going to be different every time. So yeah, that's, that's a good I point. Love, uh, I love shooting in in icy and snowy places, and in volcanoes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 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 starting to really enjoy um, shooting in the desert more, just because I feel like every time I go into the desert, um, I see I see something that just grabs my attention that I that normally I wouldn't do when I'm in the mountains. When I'm in the mountains, I'm focused on the mountains, you know, it's yeah. like, or like, um, the water that's around the mountains. But when you're in the desert, it's like, oh, look at that really funky plant or mm -hmm. look at, look at the way that those rocks over there play with the, the foliage. And yeah, and I feel like the desert because the way it is, it, for some reason, it just makes your, it challenges your compositional mind Absolutely. a lot more. It challenges your imagination because composition is about, yeah. you know, be, being able to imagine the result, pre-visualize it, and, and make it uh, come into fruition. And, and the, the good thing about deserts and, and, and sand is that it shifts, you know, it, it, right. it changes all the time. So you, you get to a location that's just different, different to the last time you've been there. You know, it's, it's awesome. It's great. Yeah. And in mountains, so the in, <coughs> sorry, in mountains, you, oh, that's you, okay. you, okay, you climb and you get the shot. And but that's it, you know, in the in the desert or in the ice field or in, in places where you have different colors of sand blend, blending, you get different stuff every time. It's, it's awesome. I mean, you can get so much variety and, uh, you know, you need variety in today's world. You need something special, something unique. You know. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, one caveat to that, though, for me is I do a lot of um, mountain climbing here in Colorado and one of the things I try to do at least once a year is I try to get a, um, I try to get either a sunrise or a sunset sunset shot from the top of a mountain, which is not super easy to do most of the time because you know yeah basically that means you're either climbing up in the dark or climbing down in the dark or camping up. And I feel like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, uh, which I've never I've never done that. I've tried a few times, but the weather pushed me off. But um, I do that because. Um, kind of for the same reasons witnessing a sunrise from the top of a high mountain is like one of the most amazing experiences you can have and when the clouds or the light is is really happening like it can be a pretty amazing experience Absolutely. but it's you, you have to put yourself in that situation to experience yeah. it and there's no guarantee that it's going to work out either you know nope. so <laughs> you're not the weather guy <laughs> No, I, that would be awesome to be the weather guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, um, just because I think it's pretty awesome that you're in Israel and I'm in Colorado, <laughs> and I don't get the opportunity to talk to people from Israel very often. I'm curious about um, the Israeli culture or or your... I'm a, I'm not gonna assume, but I'm guessing you're you're probably of the Jewish faith. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm myself. I'm an, uh, an atheist, but I, I'm Jewish. You know. Oh, okay. I belong to the but you Jewish people. Grew up that way, yeah. I, I, yeah. I grew up, you know, so secular, but. Uh, okay, well, I was curious about how that culture, being brought up in that culture, has shaped. Um, if at all, how it has shaped your view of the natural world or um, how we preserve the natural world and in, in, in especially how that relates to photography. Well, to be honest, you know, being Jewish hasn't made a difference uh, in that respect. But being an Israeli definitely did make a difference. Um, and and it's, it all starts from the uh, fact that, you know, in Israel, it's very common to travel. You know, if, uh, if you don't travel, I mean, you're kind of weird in some, uh, in some <laughs> respects, really. And, you know, a lot of people travel after the army. And uh, I, I didn't do it right after the army service, but I did it uh, when I was studying. I, uh, I traveled to India and I traveled to Southeast Asia. 
and uh, you know the love of traveling is is something you can definitely acquire and uh, it's it's very common if you're an Israeli and uh, after I started shooting landscapes uh, in Israel I, I you know it just fell into place that I should be shooting landscapes in the places I travel in and then I started traveling for shooting and for landscapes and you know it's a, it's a slippery slope from there and uh, yeah so when when you travel a lot and you know you converse with people that also travel and the more people travel the more you know likely they are they are to to be uh, positive about conserving nature and uh, and stuff like that so you know you just it's something that rubs off on you and uh, yeah so you uh, it sounds like um, when you were growing up you didn't necessarily have that appreciation for the natural world but then when you started traveling you couldn't take me out of the room (laughs) when i was (laughs) (laughs) seriously i was super not into nature and uh actually i mean you know most people most nature photographers and especially landscape photographers they also always say you know that the photography came as a byproduct of loving nature and 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 loving you know the outdoors and being outdoors and and you know trying to uh convey their experience to the to the viewer and with me it's totally different i mean i started from looking at pictures and deciding this is amazing i I really have to be able to produce something like this and then i started you know combining photography with my travels Mm -hmm. it's kind of it's Mm -hmm. kind of a weird story i mean I started by looking I feel at pictures. Like, I feel like that's what a lot of um, people that are um, paying for workshops, they're kind of in that same boat. They see if they see some images online and they're like, I really want to be able to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for some people it, it sticks and they really they, they, they keep doing it more and more. And then for some people they're like, okay, I got my shot and I'm, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But that's, it's, it's, it's interesting how that happens for some it people. It is. I think I've, I've been lucky enough to, to have some very serious people in my workshops. And uh, some, of, some of the participants, you know, have gone on to be very serious landscape, landscape photographers. I mean, good quality, f- you know, solid photographers. And some of them have won competitions uh, with shots taken on my workshops. And it's amazing. It's the best feeling in the world when you help someone get to that level when they win, you know, big awards and competitions. So it, you know, yeah, some, some people are just there to, you know, to to be able to uh, shoot this area and have everything taken care of, and some people, you know, come to really learn from someone whose shots they like, and uh, that that's great. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it sounds like your your approach um, in your workshops, you spend a lot of time kind of talking about the. Um, what you could offer to them in terms of art artistry and and but also kind of blending in the more technical aspects and, but it's funny because I think a lot of people um, sometimes they just want to go because they just want to have access to an area that they don't have time or money to research on their own um, so it's again I'm just guessing it's I mean, a little that's bit of fine both too. or um, yeah. That, yeah that's absolutely fine I mean I get a lot of you know even non-photographers just want you know oh interesting that's you know everything taken care of and you know they enjoy the trip and they enjoy being in a group of of, you know people who are nature oriented and have fun Uh, that's okay have you had to not to shift focus but have you um did you follow that story that went kind of viral a couple, maybe about a month ago, about uh, Max Rive on the workshop that he did? Yeah. Did you I see did. that? I did. Uh, I've been trying to get get him on the podcast because I'm really <laughs> curious to hear his side of that yeah. story, but it sounded just, I mean, pretty insane. It is, but you know, every story has two sides. You should. Oh, never, absolutely, three sides. Yeah, you should never <laughs> ever judge. I mean. I, it's it's even more compl- complicated than that because if you behave in a certain way with uh, workshop clients and 
and you're the same person, but some people absolutely love it, and some people absolutely hate it. I mean, I oh, right. you know when you come. Well, that's life too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah <laughs> but but that shows you that you know everything is so you know subjective, and you know when, when I when I saw what this person wrote about Max, I mean, I, I have never talked to Max. I don't know him. Yeah, uh, yeah. never met him. But you know, it, it didn't seem to make perfect sense. And then you yeah, know, I agree. I was like, there's more to this story yeah, I mean, that she's not telling the okay. world. <laughs> Maybe he just did something that you know she didn't like, and and all of a sudden she you know she flipped on him and and decided that he was you know a crappy leader, or or not, or he was indeed a crappy leader. And but no one can assume that. Uh, based right. upon a one-sided review if, Agreed, if, if yeah. it's more than I mean, one person to... okay maybe there's something wrong but you know I, sure. I, I, I'm not sure about the exact details of the incident I, I've heard that there might be more than one person that wasn't happy but uh, you know sometimes it's also about expectations and reality you know versus those expectations and a lot of times you know nature photographers are usually not the most social of beings, you know? <laughs> right, and, you right, know, right. Maybe, maybe she, she just uh, expected to be entertained, or I, I really don't know, you know? And right. definitely, I mean, someone should, you know, do something about it and, and take his whole complete side of the story, if he, if he so chooses. I mean, maybe he just prefer sure. to, prefers to leave it behind. And I understand him. I mean, you know, it's it just sucks that something turns out that way. You know, some people are. I'm, I'm wondering, <laughs> have you, have you, have you ever had anything like that happen on your workshops where someone just people was really unhappy. just? Of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every, wor every workshop leader have has you know someone that turns up turns out unhappy. You know, uh, uh -huh. I mean, just these this year's uh, Iceland workshop. Uh, when you come to my workshops, you're gonna get, you know, my honest opinion. You know, you're gonna get exactly. I, I'm gonna tell you exactly what I think about your photo, and uh, I'm gonna help do my best. <laughs> right. No, I'm gonna do my best to help you improve. I'm not gonna, you know, this is crap. Throw it away. But I'm, I'm gonna tell you, okay, this and this and this is not good enough. You should do this and this and that to make it better. You know, and I will not try to hide it or sugarcoat it or anything. And you know, yeah. after my Iceland workshop, that there was the uh, this couple who told me, "Listen, this was amazing. You're the first workshop leader that actually helped us in things that we were lacking." You know, and and you're you know um, you're being firm about uh, some subjects. You know, made us change the way we approach photography and you know really improve on things that weren't good enough and you know like i told you this is the best feeling in the world but then someone wrote me hey listen i was really really bummed about the workshop it was you know i i won't come i won't join you join you again and the the reasons he gave is are the exact same reasons <laughs> the exact same, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> exact same reasons that that the other guys you know were so happy about So what am I supposed to do? I mean, inform me that you want your right. your ask, you know, kissed or sorry. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I yeah, it's it, uh, you can't please everyone. Yeah. That's for sure. But um, you know, that's why I don't know. Like that's with any, any product or service. Like if you do enough research beforehand, you know what you're getting into. And if you if you know you can't handle some cr constructive criticism, then you probably shouldn't go on a workshop or where you're, you're going to get it. No, you're just going to tell me, listen, I don't want constructive criticism. <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> I just want to tell me how awesome my photography is. And I will. Right. No problem. Right. Like, easier, if you want me to... Me. Uh... <laughs> 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 you know, oh, that's funny. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it's almost like... Um, managing people like at work i manage a lot of people at work and you know there's some people that they really really want that feedback of you know what am i doing well what do i need to improve on and other people they just want to clock in they want to get their do their job and get their paycheck and they don't really care if they ever yeah. like 
get better at their job. They just yeah. they're just there to be there. Yeah, I mean, but, you <laughs> no, know, it's, it's kind of the same. It's thing. Not, this, it's kind of the same, but it's not because it's not a job. You know, it's not it's not something you do because you have. Well, to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These people come to my workshops with me as a leader because they trust me to help them improve. And I have right. my own way of, of helping someone improve. I'm, I'm not, you know, aggressive in any way. I just speak the truth. And I tell them, listen, this, you see in this photo, you didn't leave enough space, you know, or this, is, this photo is unbalanced. Try to do it this way or move, you know, half a meter to the right, just so this and this works in the composition. And I will, right. you know, I, I feel pretty, not just free but obligated to do that because those people paid me a lot of money to hear my opinion right. and to have me help them improve and then you know they, they you know flip on me and, and just tell me this wasn't good and I was like hey <laughs> I mean just say just say it up front you know I mean do I, you uh, do you tell people up front that that's part of the, the workshop what they get out of the workshop maybe I should <laughs> obvious right i mean i personally would would like that a lot i mean that's why when i go out and shoot with other people that i admire like that's one of the things i do is i pay attention to what they're doing and i try to learn from it because yeah, absolutely and, and, and i'm not going to get better i mean i feel like in f landscape photography especially like you can plateau pretty fast mm -hmm. Um, unless you start putting yourself around people that, that have a different perspective. And then I've noticed every time I do that, I pick up one or two things and then it takes me to another level and then I pick up one or two things mm -hmm. and it just kind of goes. That's all you need. I mean, if, if a person learns one thing, one general thing from me about photography, I've done my, I've done my share, you know, I've done my contribution. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, to each so, some people just <laughs> like... I mean, some people don't even like it when I'm looking at their screen. Oh, sure. right. Like, don't look at my you screen. No, no, I'm just like, fine. I mean, less work for me. It's really, it's really <laughs> absolutely fine. I, I really mean... Uh, I, I don't mean it as a bad thing. Some people, no, I get it, yeah. you know, to each his own, they like this and that, and that's absolutely perfectly fine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's if that's not what they're there to get out of it, mm -hmm. then that's fine. <laughs> so speaking of workshops, uh, tell us a little bit about what you got coming up on the calendar. Well, um, I'm I'm done this year with workshops. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to travel to Hawaii, but that's not for workshop. That's just for you know for my own personal uh, enjoyment and, and getting some uh, more lava shots. Um, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Which island are you going to? I'm going to do uh, Big Island, uh, Maui, and Kauai. Oh, nice. I've only been to uh, Kauai, and it was um, it's pretty amazing. You should definitely do, like, the the open-door yeah, helicopter tour if you can. Like, it's really cool. Oh, it's yeah. huge. I only had, like, a, yeah, I, I didn't know shit about photography when I went there, but I still had a great time of when I – I mean, I shot a lot of stuff on the beach and yeah. – you can do you can even do some pretty cool Milky Way stuff out there. It's it's mm. pretty neat. Yeah, I'm really excited about the the open door heli flight, and I'm really really excited about the the lava shooting, the volcano. I just oh, love that. heck I yeah, mean, man! Being close to to lava and and uh, and the volcanoes in general, it's so strong. It's such a strong experience. You know, uh, yeah. in, in Ethiopia, you can just climb to Ertaale volcano and you can yeah, I mean you can get as close as you want you can jump and swim in it if you want and being <laughs> being so close to it is just incredible it's it's just mesmerizing you, you get paralyzed with awe oh I bet it's just rumbling yeah I oh, haven't just low pitch I rumbling. haven't done that yet but it's definitely something yeah, I'd lo like to do someday you definitely should it's <laughs> it's really one of the most powerful experiences someone can have. I mean, if you if you've never been next to a rumbling volcano, I mean, <laughs> it's it's something you should do before you die. It's incredible. <laughs> Duly noted. <laughs> <laughs> so so no workshops for the rest of your. What do you got coming up next year? Excuse me. I think I saw an ad on Facebook today that you have a, a Patagonia workshop. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. Okay, so I do Iceland. I do uh, Lofoten, Norway. 
which I really like. I do Patagonia. Uh, I do uh, like two workshops in Patagonia. I do a regular workshop and I do a hiking annex to uh, like places where it's a little more difficult to get to and you need to seriously hike and, and climb and there's a more of a physical exertion. And uh, so that's great. I mean, last, I mean, this year, we got unbelievably good conditions in Patagonia. We got pink light every day on the mountains uh, and uh, clear nights. We got tons of night shots. I got uh, actually uh, Mount Fitzroy bathed in pink s moonrise light. It's amazing. People don't realize that a moonrise is just like a sunrise, just fainter. It has the same colors. You yeah. know, it, it's pink. It's, it's just yeah, like, you know, the, the shots uh, you see man. from sunrise with the pink Fitzroy. It's the same, only at night. It's unbelievable. I think that's prob probably the only location that I would pay money to do a workshop. It's, it's been on my list for a very long time. I actually almost went on a workshop uh, with Andrew Waddington a few years ago just because my buddy Kane like, had reached out to him, and he was like, oh, I'll give you and your buddy a special deal. And, <laughs> and I couldn't. Couldn't convince my wife to go, but I really would like to spend a lot of time Andy. out there because I do a lot of mountain climbing too. So I'd love awesome. to do like some of the more alpine type mm. stuff up there. Yeah. Yeah, Andy is great, but you're welcome to my workshop. <laughs> 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 right on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because yeah, every time I see photos from that place, I'm like, oh my god, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I mean, you really need to get lucky there, though, because you can get absolutely terrible weather. You can get rain oh, and yeah. wind, and uh, sometimes it's really bad. But when it's good, it's so good. And it's like pink, always pink, pink, pink every morning. And then the pink turns to, to orange, and it's incredible. And the, the, you know, the Yeah, you don't, wanna, you don't want me on your workshop, because I'll, I'll bring all the bad weather with uh, me. You, you can't <laughs> counter my amazing luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so, so I'm doing this. I'm doing Patagonia, and then I'm doing... Uh, uh, Namibia in May and uh, then I'm doing Greenland and uh, Greenland is awesome I mean just you know that I, I do that in, in summer in uh, late uh, July so the Sun yeah only sets for like an hour right. <laughs> so it's amazing you, you start your sail you look for beautiful icebergs and you have some like castle shaped icebergs there and you just find one incredible icebergs and it's an incredible iceberg and you shoot it with sunset and then you have an hour to find another and you shoot sunrise <laughs> it's, it's just an incredible experience and this year actually and then and then you sleep and then you sleep during the day because <laughs> you know right. the, the light is so harsh during the day unless you have a, a thick cloud cover right, it really right, sucks right. i mean the beautiful light is in the uh, during night but it, it's really incredible really pink and you get crazy arctic lights, uh, crazy arctic colors, like, you know, pastel colors, like velvet, turquoise, peach, all pastel. It's uh, huh. really great. And actually, after, after finishing awesome. my Greenland workshop, uh, next year I'm going to do an extension to a place called uh, Umanak, which is uh, one hour north of Ilulisat, where the Disco Bay workshop takes place. And when you get there it's like the time is reversed again you start having like half an hour an hour between sunrises uh, sunset and sunrise so it's really a, an amazing combination that's crazy yeah, it's, crazy. it's <laughs> really it's it's hard to grasp i mean when you while you're there there's never any darkness so you need to, to close the right. shades in order to get some sleep and uh, right. yeah it's really crazy yeah, and then I'm doing, uh, in November, I have the Faroe Islands, which is also great. Well, where are those located? These are uh, just between Norway and Iceland. It's like a tiny, oh, okay, tiny archipelago, cool. 18 islands. And I'm um, also uh, doing uh, like a main workshop and an annex there. And the main workshop is the, nice. in the larger, you know, more common, quote-unquote, islands. And the, the annex is like the farther away islands. There's like this uh, tiny island called Michinus, and in the winter, the population is eight people. <laughs> so <laughs> so just, you just go there, and there's exactly one Airbnb house. <laughs> it's like this 100-year-old wow. traditional Faroese house, 
and there's you know space enough for like seven people there and you just hike there's no roads nothing you get there by helicopter and you just get dropped huh. off and there's no store or anything you just bring your own food bring your own everything just reside in that tiny house and just hike all around the, the island <laughs> it's crazy so wow yeah, that sounds really awesome cool. it's really cool cool yeah. so that sounds great uh sounds like you have a full full year packed mm-hmm. um i mean that's just workshops so I, I do my best to at least once a year <laughs> travel on my own you know it, it's really important for my mental health <laughs> you know after spending all this uh time working and doing workshops you know this year i uh traveled in in senya norway it's an island like an arctic island and i just uh, did only only four days but it was just me and the camera i rented a car and just drove all around and shot some mountains and fjords and uh, northern lights and this year is going to be hawaii also and next year i have other plans so it's really important if you if you uh, you know guide workshops full-time it's really important to take the time and you know do some traveling for for yourself for your own sake and for your own personal enjoyment yeah absolutely that seems like good advice yeah. <laughs> if only more guys did um that. so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well yeah it's funny i was talking to mark uh metternick and he was talking about he did one year where he was in the field for like 300 days in a row or some craziness <sighs> like uh, I was like, that's uh, burly. Yeah, man. I, I could never do that. You know, I'm I'm not the Boy Scout type, and uh, you know, it's it's. I think my my lifestyle is a little bit different to other people who do nature photography full time, because my my base is still back home in Israel, and uh, you know, I have m- my family and friends here, and I'm you know, I, I'm really attached to my family. I'm really attached to my friends. You know, I've unfortunately I've I've lost my grandmother just uh, over a month ago, and I have uh, my huh. grandpa who's 91. He's an amazing guy, and who knows how long, how long, how much longer I'm gonna have him. I, I hope it lives 20 years sure. more, but you know, who knows? And uh, I just right. I want to be with him. I want to be with my family. You know, it's really important for me, and you know, my friends are really important for me, and I I need all of these for my mental health. So I. I, I never could be uh, able to to spend 200, 300 year, th- days uh, in a year in the field. It's just not an option for me. You know, I need... You know, the, the, right. s- the name of the game is balance. You know, there is such thing as, as too much of a good thing. And uh, uh, I saw you had an article yeah, about that on your website. It's called Too Much of a Good Thing. Yeah. And it, it, it's a yeah. true story. <laughs> I mean, I, after turning pro, I just... I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to travel, you know, the whole time. And I travel like eight months out of the year. And, you know, by, by, by the time, you know, it got to like six, seven, eight months, I was miserable. It was just too much right. for me. And, you know, I, I learned a lot about myself and what I can handle and how much time I could spend, you know, far from my loved ones. And, you know, and, and now I, I, I do it in a much more balanced way. You know, I travel a little bit, I go home, I uh, spend time with my friends and family, and I, I travel some more. I mean, I love traveling. I like, you know, adventures. I like meeting new people. But, you know, there absolutely has to be some sort of, of balance. You know? Like yeah, everything absolutely. in life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always wonder, because I feel like a lot of... Um, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. A lot of the people I know, not just photography, but, you know people that are into um, mountain climbing or people that like the most accomplished people in whatever thing they're into they seem to not have a lot of that balance I feel like or maybe it just feels like they don't have that balance and then they have this wake up call where they're like oh maybe I should uh, do something else other than that one thing that I do 24-7 it's I feel like you need that balance in your life or else you just get well, I mean, I guess maybe it varies by person, but I know I I personally need to kind of balance out like photography and spending time with my family and watching football yeah. or watching TV. Absolutely. Or, like I can't. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, I need, I need my home time. I need my family time. I need my friends time. I need my alone time, just being by myself right. back home, chilling. 
and it's all important to yeah, know. It's, yeah. it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's a little funny, but it's also incredibly important for your for your mental health and uh, for your if, if you want to be able to do this long term. You have to reach a situation where it's 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 not making you miserable, and it's it's not unbalanced and it's not too tiring, and you're not suffering, because then you you've missed a point. It's like a good composition. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you're you're already learning from me. <laughs> okay. Exactly. I'm like, I'm gonna start yeah. using that. It's, everything in life is <laughs> is about balance, you know. If it's composition or or you know spending time outdoors it's really important you know it's like and and yeah. you, you can't just correct it artificially you know for example one of the things i like to 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 tell people about composition is you know now there's a, a huge trend of people just you know there's foreground and there's a mountain and then there's a person to balance it all and a lot of you know oh, that's yeah. a trend now in in so-called uh, nature or travel photography and i mean that's a little bit of you know fakery for me that's not really nature photography because if you take the person out and you don't have a, a composition then you never really had a composition to begin with you know what i mean yeah and see i never i've done that a few times but i never did it for compositional mm -hmm. aspect i always did it just to provide a sense of scale yeah, th i mean that's fine I'm, I'm not saying anything against it i'm just saying that you know, yeah yeah no like if that's the only reason exactly. you're doing if it, that's, that's the only the thing best, that yeah. balances your composition then it's not mm. nature photography you know if if the person is you know if if you would have taken the person off the picture and you've had nothing then you had nothing to right. begin with even with a person you know it's so easy to just you know <laughs> put a person there and here i have a composition you know and so many so right. many people do it nowadays it's like a, a trend and the, the reason it's a trend is because it makes composition so much easier but nature photography huh. is about making you know making sense of the mess of nature you know it's not about yeah that's interesting i always i always thought people did it um to to make it feel more um accessible in terms of um, well, if you if you took the shot that it wasn't a compositional element <laughs> if you took the shot that it that it's more about oh, oh you mean accessible well i guess people, i mean, you mean like uh oh like oh yeah there's a person in that shot because i i always get comments like oh i really like the ones that have people yeah in, you know <laughs> it's like oh okay yeah. And it's because I think people like they can see themselves in that place when they see a person. There. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think that's why some people. Yeah, do absolutely. It, I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to think about the same thing. You know, it's just my, you know, people tend to rant in your podcast, so that was my that was my rant. But <laughs> I like it. No, I never had. I actually had never yeah, thought about it as a composition. I really think everyone tool. should. You know, when you include a person. I mean, if you do it for a sense of scale, that's great. If you do it to make it more relatable, that's great. But make sure you had a composition to begin with, even without the person. Otherwise, you know, sure. it's not yeah. much of an accomplishment, in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, what Alex said. You can't polish the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. I, I remember hearing that. I, rem I actually remember that by Alex. And, and uh, I remember David Thompson saying... You know, aspen trees aren't purple, man. They're like white and cream, <laughs> but not purple. And I was laughing, laughing yeah, exactly. my ass off. When I heard that. <laughs> and I actually, you know, I, I, I messaged him immediately after I finished that, and I was like, "Man, that, that killed me." <laughs> I, I, share like his, I share his opinions about uh, per over purpliness, unnatural purpliness of, of uh, today's uh, photography. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's an easy thing to yeah, do. Yeah, very easy. Too easy. Yeah. So speaking of um, other people on the podcast, I'm curious, um, who would you love to hear on the podcast? Uh, oh, that's easy. I mean, get uh, the man, Ian Plant, or Marcel Van Osten. These are two. You know, two oh, I'm not familiar. I know Ian. Ian is is amazing. He's. I mean, I don't. I know of Ian. Yeah. I don't know him personally, but. Uh, I've never met him, but. And then who was the other? I've, one I've been Austin? talking to him, and. Who's the second? The one? second one is uh, Marcel Van Osten, a Dutch guy. 
okay. he's an incredible photographer. I think is my favorite, and he's brilliant. You okay. know, and these these two people, Marcel and, and Ian, I admire them so much because they keep, you know, they keep their their images realistic. You know, you you see that, and you see that it's real. You see their pictures; they're absolutely real. You know, they don't over purpleize, and they don't. Orton their images and they don't do anything <laughs> of the sort. Everything looks absolutely natural while having an awesome composition, awesome subject matter. You know, these are true nature photographers and these are the people to, to look up to. Uh, absolutely. Cool. So either either of those, awesome. you know, would be amazing to to hear. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the suggestions. I super appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It. I mean, if, if you do a podcast uh, with them, it's <laughs> going to be in my benefit too. So. <laughs> right on. That's the whole point yeah. of it, man. I want people to actually get something out of these. Yeah. So, um, Well, man, thanks so much for taking an hour out of your day to, to talk to me about photography. I really appreciate it, man. It's been a, it's been a lot thank of fun. Thank you. It's been fun for me. And again, I mean, I don't take it for granted when people, you know, find what I have to say interesting so thanks a lot for approaching me and thanks for having me on the podcast it's been great uh, absolutely <laughs>